Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Church, this morning I want to talk to us about God's peace. And uh, the title of my message is called Good Peace. Good because only God is good. And uh, we are in this journey of studying uh, the nature and the definition of this word good. And uh, you know how God is good and Everything that flows from Him is good. And so we've been learning that uh, for uh, almost the entire year now. And uh, pray with me that your pastor will be able to continue to have good messages come out all the way until uh, the last service of the year. I already know what the title is for the last service of the year, uh, but I won't tell you yet. Just come and join us and then you'll find out on that day. But today, I want to talk to us about God's peace. Because I don't know about you, but uh, I've I've been reading the news. And everywhere I look, Man, uh, you, you know that uh, uh, God's peace is, is, is desperately uh, in need. You know, just over the weekend, just in fact yesterday, big, big, big demonstrations throughout the world. You know, whether it's in Hong Kong and, uh, you know, we need to pray for peace over that situation. The violence must stop in the name of Jesus. Amen? You know, and, and, and or whether you don't have to look all the way there, you can look in, in, in London. Man, protests over Brexit. Protests over the parliament being on recess. Wow, there's, there's so much, you know, fear going on. Whether it's fear that uh, another country will impose its will upon another country, or fear that, uh, you know, certain people in leadership is wresting control from the people. Or not too long ago, we even had protests uh, over climate change. And everyone that I watch on all the TV interviews are talking about, oh, I'm doing this for my children because if I don't come up and protest right now, they won't have clean air to breathe. Now, whatever your stand on global warming is, one thing I can tell you, the climate right now is fear. Fear. Fear about politics, fear about the economy, fear about the future. And I can only imagine that if the climate that we're living in right now has so much fear in it, that that's going to shape us. That's going to affect us. Amen? You know, it's common sense. If you stand underneath a rain cloud, you will get wet. If you stand underneath a sunny sky, you will get tan. So if you stand underneath a climate of fear, uh, fear will enter your life. Fear will uh, shape your mind. And how many know that the good news is this, that we have the solution in Jesus? Amen? And so today, I want to uh, help us to unpack this very famous scripture. We all know this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And as we read this, you will realize that, man, we need this more than ever right now. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Philippians 4, 7. Uh, if you're there, can you hear a good amen? Oh, not there yet. Okay, good, good, good. That means people are flipping through their Bibles. At least that's what I'm telling myself, you know. Uh, but if you're really uh, not, you know, you can't find it, it's okay. No, no judgment, no condemnation. You know, go and buy a good Bible and buy bookmarks. And, uh, but we have it flash up on the screen for you. Uh, let's read it together. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. We've prayed this over someone, 
We prayed this over our lives. We probably have bookmarks with this on it. And how many know that even if, you know, you're thinking to yourself, hey, pastor, why so serious? No climate of fear. You know, I'm just going through life. How many know that even in going through life, we need the peace of God? Amen? Because life has its challenges. Recently, I was talking to one of my neighbours, uh, you know, through my pet dog now, getting to know more and more of my neighbours. Because uh, having a pet is such an icebreaker. That's another message for another day. Um, but I uh, found out one of my neighbours uh, works as a, as a teacher, as a kindergarten teacher. And she was just telling me how, oh, you know, I was talking to her yesterday. She's like, oh, I can feel it in my bones. Oh, the Monday blues is just zapping all strength from me. I'm like, wow, so serious. And then, of course, I asked her, what do you do? What, well, no, why are you, you know, uh, uh, so stressed out about Monday for? Oh, I'm a teacher. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> School starts again uh, uh, this Monday. And then, of course, she went on and on about how it's not the children, it's the parents that, you know, put the fear in her. And some of us, you know, whether it's teacher, whether it's accountant, you know, life is tough. You know, some of us, we are work, we have deadlines, and uh, it stresses us out. We need God's peace. Amen? You know, it just, even those who are not working. You know, isn't it funny? I, 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 I found that, uh, you know, in talking to students and young adults, the topic of stress comes up more among students. I'm thinking like, no, oh, you're living a good life, man. You got, you know, all bills are paid for. You just need to study. You know, the young adults are the ones that need to work for their own, uh, you, know, uh, you know, rent and, 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 and save up for their future to get married, etc. Uh, and yet the students are the ones, oh, so stressed, Pastor, you guys so stressed. So whether you're working, not working, we need the peace of God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you at least three more reasons why we need the peace of God. Amen. We need the peace of God to make good decisions. How many know that one of the things that get us into trouble is when we make bad decisions? I can tell you this, when you're stressed out, you can't make good decisions. You know, no matter what job, I mean, a lot of our jobs require on us making good decisions. Some of us are lawyers, you need good decision-making skills. Otherwise, wrong, one wrong advice, that's a lawsuit. Some of us are bankers in the financial trading line. One bad decision, you lose money. Or worse, you lose clients' money. Ooh, ouch. You know, some of us here, your doctors, one bad decision, you lose a life. So we need the peace of God to make good decisions. Secondly, we need the peace of God to help us face challenges. This is straightforward. All of us, we have challenges. You know, whether it's where to eat after church, you need the peace of God. No, I'm just joking. But, you know, other challenges, whether, you know, should you change job or should you stay because it's a grind. And most of the time you feel God says, stay. Your time is not over yet. But how many know that we need the peace of God to stay? Because it's not easy to, to, to stay uh, and to allow the situation and allow our environment to, to mold us. We, we need the peace of God. But lastly, and this is something that I learned, uh, I was learned to see in a new way when I was preparing today's message, uh, the, the peace of God or peace actually helps us to understand God. Let's look at the scripture again. It says the peace of God. This is the nature of the peace of God. This is the nature of good peace. Amen? 
it surpasses all understanding. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 9, another very famous scripture, describes God's nature like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. So these two scriptures sound different but very similar. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. When you think surpass, you, you don't go like, the, the direction is not below, it's above. Right? That's why we even have this phrase, oh, it flew right over my head. Because it's, wow, the concept is too deep, too complex. It flew right over my head. The peace of God comes into our life and it surpasses our understanding. What does God say about His nature? My ways are not your ways. It's higher. So when you have more of the peace of God, it actually makes you more in sync with God's thoughts and God's ways. And, and instead of wondering and scratching your head, oh God, what is happening? But when you begin to have the peace of God, you begin to go, no, oh, oh, I, oh I, get, I get it, God. Oh, I know what you're trying to do. Or oh, even though what I'm going through might not feel nice, but because of the peace of God, I understand what is happening. And of course, I say I got three reasons why you need the peace of God. I'll throw you a bonus point number four. We all need inner peace. The world that we're living in today is so overly medicated. In fact, the buzzword nowadays is depression. Everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I know some people are genuinely clinically depressed and, and we're going to pray for them, talk to them, help them to journey out of it. But then again, a lot of people are just using the word so flippantly. Oh, my boyfriend left me. I'm depressed. Oh, the, the food I ordered at Russian wasn't good. I'm depressed. Oh, I went to the gym and I'm not looking as, 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 as you know, ripped as I would like to be. I'm depressed. What we need is peace. Inner peace. But inner peace doesn't come from meditation. Inner peace doesn't come from yoga. Inner peace doesn't come from gym. Inner peace doesn't come from a bank account. Inner peace comes from God. Especially the peace of God. So if we need the peace of God, if, if the peace of God is so important, today we got to learn how to do three things. How to receive it, how to keep it, because just because you receive something doesn't mean you'll hold on to it, right? I can pass you something, but you might lose it. How to receive it, how to keep it, and how to grow it. The peace of God. Amen? So point number one, how do you receive the peace of God? Actually, the clue is in Philippians 4, 7. It says this, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in the peace through Christ Jesus. So how do you receive it? Through Christ Jesus. Or if you like to put it down, through the love of God. You see, you cannot have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Well, I, I, I thought that was quite clever when I wrote it down, but uh, obviously I'm speaking to a very intellectual and very poetic church, you know. They were like, eh, you can do better. How do we have the peace of God if we don't have peace with God? Let's not forget that Jesus, like the song that we sang earlier today, another name, that he, another title he has is the Prince of Peace. 
In other words, what, what am I trying to get at? Let's turn to some scripture and then I'll tell you what I'm trying to get at. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Because I want you to know where uh, the title Prince of Peace comes from. Otherwise, some people will say, it's from that song. No, it's not. You know, why is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? Hillsong said, so no, no, no. Because Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How do we receive the peace of God when you realize that you're loved by God. If you are a real born-again believer, every time you read a scripture like this, like Isaiah chapter 9, 6, even as I was preparing today's message, as I was reading it, I, I couldn't help but feel two things. Feel immediately like such a sinner because I'm so unworthy. And secondly, feel so loved. And it is in that tension between I'm a sinner that's loved by God that I find peace with God. You know, just, just look at this scripture again. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born. When I was reading this, I, I, the, 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 the idea of bone marrow transplant came into my head. And of course, we know that some sicknesses, you know, the, the, the medical sciences that, oh, we got to find, uh, you know, a, a matching a donor. Someone that has, you know, I don't know, genetics that are similar to you uh, so that they can, uh, 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 you know, donate some of their bone marrow. And what, what doctors do usually, they take a drill and they drill into the spinal cord to extract the, you know, the purest kind of like genetic material from there and implant it into someone who's really sick so that, uh, you know, their body can almost reboot the system. That, that's what bone marrow transplant does. And I've, I've read uh, even before where, you know, uh, people, random strangers, in fact, I won't name names, but we have someone in church that, you know, because of the, uh, the line of work that they are in, uh, they are part of like the, the, I don't know what you call it, like the National Genetic Compatibility Database or something like that. But this person got, you know, an email before to say that, oh, you are actually a match for someone which you consider donating. And the very idea that someone, uh, uh, you know, will be willing to give up, and just, just in case you don't realize, the procedure is very painful. You, you, you don't just go in there and go, alright doctor, drill a hole in me. No, no, no. You, you need to take medication to prep your body for the procedure uh, and then they got to drill into you, take that part out and then implant it into someone. The very idea that a stranger would do that to another stranger just makes me kind of have faith in humanity. Like, wow. And now the world is still alright. And then I realized that what Jesus did for us was so much more than that. In other words, God is saying that, yeah, you, you had an issue. Your body was broken down, not just physically, but spiritually. And no bone marrow transplant was going to save you. You needed the blood of the Lamb, the most perfect sacrifice. And God didn't just cut His finger and squeeze out a few drops of His blood. 
just like Isaiah, he gave us his son. He gave us his son. And not just any son. He just gave us his spare son. Oh, I've got five children. Take the naughtiest one. You know, break him apart. Use every, break his body down. Don't dip him into an acid bath and use all of his genetic material to come up with all the vaccine you need. No, no, no. This is God's only son. So perfect, so beautiful that the title that he has is that he is known not just as a, a child, but he is a son, a son who governments will be built upon his shoulder, whose name is called Wonderful who's an amazing counsellor. Guess what? Plot twist. He's mighty God. He is part of the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. What are you going through, friends, that's robbing you of peace? How do you receive the antidote called the peace of God? When you remind yourself that you're loved by God. Once you begin to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, or begin to put yourself into that reminder mode of that you are not just a random created being. You are loved by God. You are a sinner. Yes, you are. But God so loved you that He gave His best so that you can have a future. On that kind of foundation, how can we be afraid? You see, when we don't know someone, it, it, it gives us room for to be suspicious, right? So, for example, if you don't know uh, that, uh, you know, myself and Pastor Kat are married, uh, and you see her entering my room in the middle of the night and coming out, you'll be like, ooh, scandalous. But if you know that we're married, you'll be like, oh, normal. You see, many times we, we forget who God is. And we forget who we are. We forget the nature of our relationship. And we allow the situations that we're in, we allow the circumstances that we're in define how we feel. We allow the climate of fear that we're living in to define how we feel. And just because other people say, die, 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 we echo, yeah, die, 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 die. But if we begin to remind ourselves, wait a second, I'm not a parrot that just repeats other people's, you know, buzzwords. I'm, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I'm far from perfect. So far from perfect. And yet, despite me so far from perfection, God loves me. So if He can love a sinner, He's not going to sabotage my life. So no matter what situation I'm in, whether you feel that your studies are in a dead end and you feel like, oh, you know, oh no, I'm going to fail. Oh God, where are you? No, He is there. Doesn't matter if you had a rough week at work. Your boss scolds you, threatens to fire you. Your colleagues backstab you with gossip. You miss a deadline. Doesn't change the fact that you're not there to suffer. You're there because God wants you to navigate. God wants you to come out of it. And He has given you His peace to come out of it. You could be looking for a job. And it feels like months have passed and you still don't have any open leads. It's okay. What you need is not more opportunities, more interviews. You need the peace of God. Peace of God to help you with the next interview. The peace of God that reminds you that you are loved by Him. And yes, even though you might feel like a nothing right now, you are not a nothing. Amen? But now that you receive the peace of God, 
through the love of God. You got the point number two, keep the peace of God. And this is how you keep the peace of God. By training yourself to leave your troubles with God. You see, we all love Philippians 4, 7. Wow, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let's rewind a little bit and go to Philippians 4, 6. And let's learn how to leave it to God. In Philippians 4, 6, it says here, do not be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known, be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will enter your life and guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You see, we want the peace of God. We want it, the, the type of inner peace that surpasses all understanding, the type of inner peace that comes in and it, it just psh, ah, makes us feel good about our situation and begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But before that, God actually spells out how we can achieve this. So the first way or the first part of keeping the peace is to not worry. And the reason why the Bible says don't worry is because He knows, God knows that we worry. God knows that trouble will come. That's why He reminded us again and again, don't worry. But how many glad that God doesn't just say, don't worry, don't worry. I know sometimes, you know, you... You know, people get frustrated when they talk to the pastors. Pastor, put you on this. Don't worry. Always say, don't worry. They don't let the pastor finish the sentence. Don't worry. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Supplication means this, humble begging. Not humble bragging. We all love to humble brag. Oh, you know. Oh, you know, sorry, you know, Pastor was late to church because, you know, so hard to find a, a car park for my new Lamborghini. Uh, <laughs> humble brag. No, humble bag. God is saying that, come to me. First of all, don't worry. But, but, but life, okay, but when, you, when worry does seep in, take that worry and run to me. Run to me in prayer and run to me in humble bagging. When was the last time you humbly begged God? Some of us are thinking back, oh man, all this while I've just been demanding from God. God, I'm so loved by you. Yeah, yeah, you are loved. Because you are loved, you can go to God in prayer. Because you are loved, you can go before God in humble begging God, please, please God, please God. But not in a, in a demanding, please, 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 but in a, God, please. But God, even if this is not your will, I believe that you have something better for me. But, but please, God, I need this breakthrough. But God, I trust in your timing. But please, God. And again, sometimes you go, hey, Pastor, I've done this before. I prayed and nothing happened. Again, you never allow the Word of God to finish. It says here, to pray and in prayer in supplication with thanksgiving. And this is the part where we get it wrong. We pray in anger, we pray in grumpiness, we pray in pride, you know. A lot of Christians, we pray in pride. No, pastor, I've never. When was the last time you said, God, how come other people are blessed but not me? 
that's prideful thinking. Because you're saying that, in other words, you're saying, God, I'm better. God, how come the people that are not so holy like me? God, how come the people that don't go to church? How come the people that don't tithe? How come the people that don't serve? How come the people that fill in the blank? Not like me, God. I serve, I tithe. And then what you're actually saying to God, God, how come despite my tithing, serving, giving, offering, whatever you name it, I'm still not blessed? When you do that, you're, you're, you're trying to say that you have earned your blessing. You're trying to tell God that you are entitled because you have ticked all His boxes. That's not humility. That's not thanksgiving. But when you pray with thanksgiving, you're saying, God, uh, I feel so lost right now. God, my workplace feels so chaotic right now. God, in my studies, I feel like such a loser right now. God, in my relationships, it feels so broken right now. God, instead of being fearful, I want to go by your peace. And this is how I go by your peace. I begin to surrender. God, this is the situation. God, this is the problem. God, this is the topic. God, this is the client. God, this is the way my dad is. God, whatever your situation, just surrender, surrender, surrender. But then surrender in thanksgiving. God, I, I thank you. Even though I'm here complaining, I, I thank you that at least I, I get to complain. I thank you that at least I have a job to complain. Have you thanked God that He gave you a job to complain about that you don't like doing? Oh, I hate my boss. Well, at least you have a boss. Right? The, whole, the, the jobless person will go like, at least you have a boss. And this is how we ought to do. Some of us, we, we go for interview or we apply for something and we get rejected and we feel so angry. You know, we, we isolate ourselves. But that's not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means that, oh, wow, God, at, at least I was headhunted. I know. It, it, it's hard to accept when you're going through it. As you know, when Pastor Kat was going through her job interviews before she got her job, she went for this interview that was this dream firm of hers that she really wanted to go for. She got it. And it took so long to get back to her. And that's the worst part, isn't it? You know, if you go for an interview, they tell you, no, we don't like you. Okay, fine, whatever. But if they tell you, oh, we'll get back to you in a week's time. We need to talk about it. Oh, man, that, that one week is like the worst week of your life. Because you'll be like, I hope you're talking good things about me. And then when one week was up, oh, how? Oh, we need more time. Oh, more time. And then after more time, they still say, uh, no. That's the worst. Wow. That means that you really didn't want me. And when she was going through all that, I, I just told her, hey, and then she got the interview. You don't understand. I'm not, I'm not knocking on my wife. I'm just saying that, you know, if I would say this to you, you, you you'll change church, you know. It was, you know, my wife cannot change church. She's stuck with me. <laughs> you can go like, oh, the pastor don't understand. Stomp, 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 you know. Slam the door. But that's what we need to understand that, you know what? I'm loved by God. You see, you, you can't be thankful if you don't realize that you're loved. Do you see the sequence? So God gives you His peace through His love, and out of that love, you're able to be thankful in all situations. You know, I, I, I told Kat before, you know, I told Kat before, I know she doesn't like to talk about death and all that, but I told her before, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying not as a proud statement, but I told her, I said, in the event I get cancer, 
I'm going to go down fighting and swinging. Even if God doesn't heal me, I'm going to go down fighting and swinging. I'm going to be, you know, if, if they give me opportunity to preach, I'm going to be on stage with an oxygen tank and I'm going to take, you know, a puff every sentence, but I will preach my heart out because, because I trust in God. Because of the love of God, I have the peace of God that in everything, I'm able to pray, but also pray with a thankful heart. And go like, God, even if you don't heal me, thank you for dying on the cross for me. God, even if I, I, I die, which we all need to die, thank you that when I die, I will see you. And, and that love of God gives me the peace of God to navigate through the most painful time of our life. Amen? Point number three is this. Now that you have the peace of God, now that you, through thanksgiving, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, keep that peace. Now we need to grow it. Amen? It's like me giving you a plant. Where do you get the plant? Pastor Dave. Where are you keeping the plant? By the window. The third question you've got to ask yourself, is the plant growing? Or is the plant dying? Because we can receive the peace of God, we can keep the peace of God, but that peace of God needs to grow. You know, I really believe that God's desire for us is to have more than enough so that we can share. Like I said, the world that we're living in right now has this, is this season of fear. Every country, you know, oh, you know, is this the worst time that we're living in? You know, recession is coming, this is da 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 da, da. But I believe that God's plan is for His people to have His peace and keep his peace, and grow his peace until they have surplus peace that they're able to extend to the people around them. Have you been in the room with some positive people? And even though you're very down, you feel better just by sitting next to them? You feel better just by talking to them? You feel better just by them giving you a hug? Have, have you been there before? What about people so full of God's peace? So full of God's peace. He imagine your life so full of God's peace that one conversation with your friend changes their perspective. He imagine your life so full of peace that you're known in the office, they can't explain it, but they say, you give the best hugs. Because when you hug, it's not just physical contact. It feels like through you, they, they reach something supernatural. It's called the peace of God. It's called a there, there. It's going to be okay. And as you say that, there's so much power in those words. Guess what? God wants to make that a reality. And this is how He wants us to grow it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. And we come across something that we're familiar. Let's read it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. I know some of you are thinking, what has that got to do with the peace of God? I see the word peace there. Please explain, Pastor. I want you to not focus on the word peace. I want you to focus on the word fruit. Focus on the word fruit. 
Because this is where a lot of Christians get it wrong, and I get it wrong sometimes. How many times have you said, name me the fruits of the Spirit. And yet the Word of God reminds us, no, it's one fruit. It's got different aspects, but it's one fruit. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So as us seeking God, God, how do I grow? Because I want to have so much peace in me that when I talk to my neighbours, man, I, I, I don't even need to quote that scripture. Just me looking them in the eye and saying that, you know what? It's going to be okay. You have more than enough ability and talent within you to face the coming Monday blues. And I want to be able to say that while walking my dog and have people walk away, change, transform, hungering for more, coming back and saying that, you know what, after that conversation, I feel so much better. Where do you get this wisdom? There's something about you and I get to tell them that something about me is not me, it's God, it's Jesus. So how do you grow that peace? By growing everything else. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So God is saying that if you want peace to grow, and you want fruit to grow, and fruit or fruits are signs of growth. How do you know a tree is growing when it bears fruit? How do you know a family is growing when the family bears fruit? AKA have children. You, you get what I'm saying? So how do you grow Peace. God says, when you grow in love. Let's think about it for a while. Isn't it so true? It's so simple yet so true. How do you grow in your peace of God when you grow in your love for God? When you, when you allow God's love to enter you more and more and more, when you depend on God's love more and more and more, when you grow yourself in the area of God's love, peace will grow. Joy. Joy. Not just any joy, not laughter, not humour. That's a form of joy. But joy that comes from the Lord. Is God your source of joy and laughter? Is He your source of happiness? And when you begin to make God more and more of the source of your happiness, the source of your joy, the source of your strength, peace grows. Long-suffering. Wow. The word, I just love the word long-suffering because it explains itself. Suffer for a long time. Or ability, willingness to suffer long. Long-suffering. When you begin to grow in your long-suffering and nobody wants to grow in your long-suffering, your peace grows. Your friends look at you and go like, how come you're, you're going through such a storm in your life? How come you're so peaceful? I'm not peaceful. I'm just long-suffering. But by being long-suffering, it looks like it's peace. And then it becomes peace because it's all interconnected. When you love God so much, and, and let's say, God forbid, because I'm not praying that this will happen to you, but God forbid you should fall into any illness or any situation. You start a business, you enter bankruptcy. God forbid but because of the love of God, you can still have peace. When the people, the, when the creditors come and take everything away and people look at you, are you okay? You look too at peace with what's happening. 
oh no, no, I'm, I'm, no, it, it bugs me. I just look at peace because I know that I'm loved. How come you can still smile when there's all this bad news happening in the world? Oh, because my source of joy is not the newspaper, it's the good news. And, and, and that's why it looks like I'm peaceful, but actually I'm just full of joy. But the more I'm full of joy, the more I'm at peace with God and peace with God and having the peace of God. Kindness. Are you kind? Are you growing in your kindness? God is here as you grow in your kindness. No one looks like peace as well. People who are kind when everything has been taken away from them. Can you imagine if somebody, a believer who believes in kindness so much that, you know, he goes on a plane and for some reason, the plane is overbooked and then they go like, oh, so sorry, it's overbooked. To be fair to everyone, uh, we will, you know, and it really is not fair, you know, for a plane to be overbooked when everybody bought a ticket, it's not fair. But anyway, airplanes can still say, uh, to be fair to everyone, we will do a raffle. And so we will draw lots, we'll take everybody's uh, a part of the boarding pass that we keep and we will draw it. And then if your number comes up, you will have to leave the plane so that we can take off. Can you imagine that happening to you? You know, as Christians, most of us would be praying, God, don't let it happen to me. Don't let it happen to me. But, but kindness might even mean, okay, I volunteer. Wow. And when people, can you imagine if that was a scenario that played out? Oh, I volunteer and everybody looked at you like, wow, the person's so kind. But how come the person's so at peace? His, his, his flight is being delayed. He's going to miss his connecting flight. But there's so much peace. No, no, it, it's not peace. It's kindness. Do you see? Do you see the picture that God is trying to paint to us? What about goodness? What is goodness? I'm also kind of like taking this as a, you know, unofficial teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Because if I were to tell you, church, today I'll tell you about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, half the church will leave. You'd be like, been there, done that, Sunday school. But actually, sometimes we, we don't. We need to revisit it. So kindness means, really, kindness, compassion towards other people. That's what it means. Grow in that. Goodness. What does goodness mean? Kindness and goodness sound so alike. No. Goodness just means the desire to do the right thing for no reward. So, again, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm a very broken person. I'm just sharing from experience. I, I got challenged by this yesterday. Yesterday I was in Chinatown. I was walking. And I noticed ahead of me, there was this bunch of young tourists. They, they, they are from, from their accent, they sound like they're from Italy. Uh, and the girl, the girl's bag was like horribly open. It was like, you know, no, no, you know girls are talking about, you know, you zip it apart. But half of it was down. And as I saw that in Chinatown on a crowded Saturday, I was thinking, I was literally, can I be honest with you? I was thinking, oh my, I wonder if, if she had something taken from her already. And I was thinking, oh, oh so tragic. I, I, was, I was thinking, oh, so poor thing, traveling and having something taken. Oh, I mean, your, your bag is half open in China. Something must have been taken. And then I feel the Holy Spirit says, why don't you go and tell the person that the bag is open? And, and I know this, this might make you kind of like, oh, yeah, this, what kind of pastor is this? I actually told God, but God, if it's taken, it's taken. <laughs> and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. No, I want to be the bearer of good news. No, not bearer of bad news. If I go up and then the person realizes, oh, cry, and then nothing can do. I can't speak Italian. Oh. 
But God says, well, what if it's not taken? What if it's left open and about to be taken, but you could be the one that helps? And I was like, but most likely it's taken. <laughs> God, you don't understand this Chinatown. You <laughs> can say that, I'm Chinese. Then God says that, but what's the right thing to do? And so I was walking with my wife, and without telling her, I ran ahead. Later she asked me, Oh, I thought you, you saw someone from church, you know? I saw you running so excitedly to, to tell someone, and who was that? I said, I don't know. Tourists. Oh, what are you talking to them about? I saw her back open. Oh, back open here in Chinatown. Oh, oh, oh. sure, take care of it. I don't know. No, 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 she didn't say that, but no. We're just saying that, oh, oh so, so dangerous. I'm like, I don't know. Now, I told her, of course, that the, the tourist was very happy. Oh, thank you, thank you, you know. Uh, zip. Goodness. When was the last time you did something because it was the right thing to do? When you're in an office situation and, and the culture is to gossip, office politics, and you choose to grow goodness, which means that you choose not to partake. People can look at you and go like, wow, how can you be so calm and so at peace in the midst of all this gossip and backstabbing and competition and dog eat dog? Actually, I wasn't trying to be peaceful. I was just trying to be good. But as I'm learning to be good, because God saved me. God saved me so that, so that I can obey. I'm not obeying so that God will bless me. I, I obey because I'm saved. I'm, I'm trying to be good because God has made me good. And that be, looks like peace. That becomes peace to the people around us. Amen? Let's go, move on. Faithfulness, you understand? Can you be faithful when you have trouble? That looks like peace, doesn't it? You know, when, when you have family trouble, when, when you have issues, when you have... How, how can you be faithful when you don't have enough? Can you imagine going through a financial storm in your life and you're continually faithful in serving God, faithful in your giving? And people who don't know your situation might look at you and go, wow, you're so at peace. No, no, I'm not trying to be at peace. I'm trying to be faithful. My indirect thing of being faithful is that it makes me look peaceful. Gentleness. Gentleness, I wrote down for the sake of time. It means this humility before God and honoring men and women. Gentleness means to be like a gentleman. Where the original word gentleman comes from is from gentleness. Someone who is humble before authority and honoring towards the people around them. As Christians, are we honourable? When was the last time you honoured people around you? When was the last time you say thank you to your cell group leader, say thank you to the usher, honour, friends? Last but not least, self-control. Again, another word like long-suffering spells itself out, self-control. When you're, when you're exercising self-control, you look like you're at peace. Oh man, everybody's cheating. I'm so tempted to, but I shouldn't. Everybody's bribing. Oh, I, 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 I shouldn't. Everybody's stealing. Oh, I, I, I shouldn't. 
And then as you exercise self-control, God's peace grows. Because friends, let's not forget, it's one fruit. A lot of us think that, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm good at love, but I'm not good at peace. No, if you're good at love, you will be good, good at peace. And it's all interrelated. Amen? Which means that the equation works like this as well. I know we've been focusing on peace, but if you're suffering from self-control, you've got addiction issues, impulse issues, peace. I can't, uh, I, 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 oh, I need that fix right now. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding comes in, friend, you don't need that. You don't need that fix. You don't need that drag. You don't need that whatever it is that gives you that high. You don't need that. What can make us think like that? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. How do you get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? By having it from God through the love of God. So if you want to grow self-control, grow peace. How do you grow peace? Grow it through God's love. But also don't just focus on peace, focus on all these other areas. And through that, friends, we grow. Amen? And then before you know it, you have surplus peace of God to be a blessing to everyone. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you uh, that in your word, we find peace. That in a world that's often stormy, our anchor is found in you. Jesus, not just the Prince of Peace, but also the Word of God. So God, we pray that right now, Lord, whatever my brothers and sisters are going through right now, I pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding to wash over them right now. Wash over their minds. Flow into their lives. Take away the pain. Restore hope again. God, I pray that we will not just be focused on having enough peace for ourselves, but that we will also focus in growing this peace so that this peace overflows into our family, so that this peace overflows into all the relationships that we're in, so that this peace overflows into our everyday life. God, only you can give us peace that surpasses all understanding. So God, right now, I also pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, we said earlier, we can't have the peace of God until we have peace with God. And I just want to pray for everyone here, for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Would you lead all of us as a church into repentance again? God, the word repent is not just a one-time thing. It's a constant process of turning away from our old self and into being a new creation in you. And so God, I pray that all of us here, God, will constantly be renewing our faith, renewing our vows, renewing our love for you so that we can be filled again and again with your love knowing that we are loved by you and because we are loved by you, we have peace. And that peace overflows into everything that we're going through. That peace overflows into our prayer life. So that when we do face worries, we know that we ought not to give in to the worry, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present our requests before God. 
And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will rush into our lives and guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Lord, would you pour out your peace again over everyone here, over every young working adult, over every family represented. Peace. I want to pray specifically right now for people here who come from broken families. I speak peace into your family right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for every marriage that's represented in this room, even the marriages of our parents. Right now, God, we pray for peace and healing in the name of Jesus. We pray for every broken family, every communication that has been broken down between father, son and mother, daughter, right now we speak the peace of God over that situation. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be poured into the hearts and minds of every party involved through Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray for healing right now over every broken relationship, over every broken family. Lord, let your peace reign. Let your peace fall down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.